Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. We're back in our series on Romans. And so we've been out for a little while. Uh, we had Easter. and We did a quick three-week series. And we're back in the series of Romans today. And I think you're going to be really encouraged by, by what we read. I'm hoping that we're strengthened today by what we see, that we're emboldened, that we're in- encouraged as Christians. I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And while you're turning, I'll just remind you, if you don't have a Bible... I, I love, I'm, I'm maybe uh, the caveman, but I love paper Bible. I love to hold it and feel it and touch it. And I like to write in it and scribble in it. And so if you want one and you don't have one, we've already bought them. And they're in the lobby. They're on high top tables. We have both English and Spanish Bibles. So just pay attention to which one you're getting. But I would highly encourage you. If you have that, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. And as we study through the Bible, when, we, when we're studying specific passages, we always stand. And, and we don't do that because it's right, because it's, it's wrong. Like if you go to church and they don't do this, we don't think that's wrong. For us, it's just a cool symbol for us that says, hey, we acknowledge this is God. God's about to speak to us, and we want to show honor and reverence. And so this is uh, Romans chapter 5. I'm starting in verse 3. Just going to read a couple verses. It says this. The Apostle Paul speaking says, We can rejoice, too, when we run into problems and trials, For you know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character. And character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you that your word is as relevant today as it was when the Apostle Paul wrote it some 2,000 years ago. And so, Father, we're asking this, reveal yourself to us, speak to us this morning, God. Speak to us through your word. Holy Spirit, this is work that only you can do, but you do it in such a beautiful and specific way. I'm praying that you speak to each individual. We all come from different places this morning, and I'm praying that you'll speak right into that situation. Glorify yourself, God. Teach us in a way that draws us to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You all can have a seat. Uh, You might have heard this, but... Uh, not too long ago, there was a boy that was having a birthday, and it was his 10th birthday. Do you remember this? 10th birthday, you're double digits now. It's kind of a big, big deal. You're not a teenager, but it's double digits. It was a big birthday. And so his dad got him a bike, but it wasn't just a normal bike. This was a really special bike. This was a really advanced bike. This was a bike that could do things that, that other bikes just can't do, just really crazy, amazing things. But the deal was, and the dad told him this, you have to ride the bike at least every three days. You have to ride the bike every three days. And so the boy's excited, he's excited, excited, so it's the end of his birthday, and he's gonna to go to bed, so he takes the bike, and they have a shed out behind the garage, and he puts the bike in the shed. And then he kind of forgets about it. And now it's been almost seven days. And so he goes back to the shed, and he's like, that's right, I gotta get my bike. So he goes to the shed, and he gets a bike, and as he's going to grab the bike, the bike jumps up on top of him, and it's just smacking him with the front tire. It's just smacking this kid. And the kid says, hey, what's going on? And the bike says, oh, talking bike. And so the bike says, um, hey, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to ride at least every three days, and you forgot. You can't do that. And the kid says, I know, I know, I know, and I'm really sorry. That's why I'm here right now. That's why I'm here, because I'm going to take you for a bike. And the boy goes to reach for the bike, and the bike jumps up on top of the kid, boom, boom, just smacking him with the front tire. And the kid can't believe it. And he jumps out from under the bike again. He jumps up and he goes, hey, you got to stop this. You can't do this. 
And the Bible goes, but you're supposed to ride me every three days. And you totally forgot. You can't do that. You can't wait seven days. And the kid says, I know. That's why I'm here now. And he goes to reach to grab the bike. And the bike jumps on top of him and starts just beating him, beating him. It was just a vicious cycle. I don't know why you made that up. I told you that wasn't going to work. I don't know why. I don't know why I told that joke. And so, you know, you get the point, right? Because we all know what a vicious cycle is. And we've all lived in these vicious cycles. And, and sometimes a vicious cycle is, was it my delivery? Because I worked on the delivery. I really worked on the delivery. And sometimes a vicious cycle is this simple. You get up in the morning, you didn't sleep that night, and you're really, really tired. And now you're groggy and you have no energy. So you go to grab for a cup of coffee and you drink coffee and you start drinking coffee and you drink coffee all day and you even drink coffee into the evening so that when you go to bed, you don't sleep. And now you wake up in the morning and you're groggy and you're tired and you have no energy. So you grab a cup of coffee and you start drinking coffee and you drink coffee all day and you drink coffee all the evening. But the problem is now you can't sleep that night. And so you wake up and the cycle goes on and on and on. Or maybe the cycle is something different. Maybe the cycle is such that you go to work and you have a really bad day at work and now your boss at work really gets on you. And so you're really just feeling anxious about that and you're upset about that. And so when you get home, you take it out on somebody at home and now things at home aren't going so great. And so now you get up in the morning and you're still feeling the heat of that and you go into work and you take that into work with you. And so things don't go so well at work and now your boss gets on you. And because your boss gets on you, when you go home, Right? And the cycle continues and continues and continues. Or maybe your cycle looks like this. Something happened. Something happened. There's always something that starts it. And now it, it, it's kind of a financial hardship for you. It created a financial pressure for you. And because of that, you're feeling that and you're feeling some anxiety. And so to cope with that, what you do is you shop and you spend money that you really don't have. And now you go to look at your account and you say, oh man, now I'm even in more financial trouble which causes you to medicate it by shopping with money that you don't have. And the cycle continues and continues. And it's this vicious cycle. Or maybe your cycle is you just go to school and everything was going okay. And then someone confronts you at school and you start to have a bad day at school because of this one incident. And now you take that home and, and, and you, you, you weigh on that. You, you just, it's just eating you up and eating you up. And so now you go back to school, only you don't focus in, in class and you don't concentrate in class. And so now you, maybe you do poorly on a test, which causes you more anxiety and more stress. And this thing just cycles and cycles and cycles. And we're so used to this, to this vicious cycle. These cycles go on and on. And very oftentimes what happens is they just spiral. It's not even a cycle, it's a spiral, and it just spirals down and down and down. It always starts with a hardship, it always starts with a difficult situation, but the human experiences and what's normal for human beings is that we just begin, the cycle goes on and on, and we begin to spiral down. And I'm asking the question this morning, because you're going to see in the scripture, what if there was something different for us? What if God has something totally different in store for you, and he has something different in store for me? What if it's, it's something that starts with a difficulty? There's a hardship. There's a trial. Only because of our perspective and because of our biblical understanding and because of the God that we serve, that trial actually, instead of spiraling downward, what would happen if that, if that hardship would cause us to spiral upward? What if there was no longer a vicious cycle in your life? What if instead that became a victorious cycle? What would happen if that was a victorious cycle? And because you live out a biblical principle, 
It would cause you, every time there was a hardship, there was a trial, there was a difficulty, instead of your life spiraling this way, it was actually the catalyst for your life, for my life, to spiral this way. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul is writing about today. The Apostle Paul is going to describe that for us. It's not like I just made this up. This is a biblical principle, and I'm telling you this. This principle is true for you today. It's true for me today, and it's true for everybody. It doesn't matter. You could be single, you could be married, you could be divorced, you could be divorced twice, and this principle will be true for you. You could be rich, you could be poor, you could be stone-cold broke, and this principle is true for you. You could be brown, black, white. You could be like me. You could be pasty white. And this principle is going to be true for you today. This principle is true if you're in the room today. It's true for you folks who are online this morning. And it's true if you're online and you're watching this two years from now. This Victoria's Cycle stuff is real. And this principle is true. And Paul's going to lay it out just as clear as he can. Look at your Bibles. Verse 3, this is what Paul says. He says, we can rejoice to when we run into. So Paul's saying, hey, you can also rejoice when. He's going to tell us what that is. But I want you to understand this word rejoice, because this word rejoice is oftentimes in, in, in other translations, it's translated as glory. We can glory. And that biblical word in the Greek means this. Your chest can puff up and you can brag and you can boast and you can feel like this. Like when this thing happens, whatever it is that he's going to describe to us in a second, when this thing happens, it'll cause you to just Mm, and you feel like that, and your chest puffs up, and you're, yeah, you're ready to go, and you feel proud, and you're, you're bragging about it, or you're almost boasting about it. So this is going to be something awesome, right? Except he says we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Now that sounds a little odd, and I'm with you. That sounds weird to me. Number one, let me just say this. Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He's never been there. We've said that before. Paul's probably writing from Corinth. He's not going to get to Rome for another three years. And so he's writing to them. And I think what's happening in part is Paul is starting to speculate. Because in verse 1 and in verse 2 of chapter 5, if you go back and read it, Paul has just told them that we are now made right with God. There is peace with God. You and I have no barriers. We are at peace with God because of Christ. And he goes on to say that because of that, we, we, we have this uh, position of undeserved privilege. That's where we're living. And Paul has just written to them in verses 1 and 2 about that. And so now, and I'm speculating, but I think Paul is probably thinking, oh, they think that I'm just pie in the sky and, and, and I'm going to deal in all the wonderfuls, right? Paul, you're, you're so earthly, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. I think that's what he's concerned about. And so Paul comes right back and he's like, this is where you all live. I'm going to talk to you about where you live. You know, we were talking this morning, like, a lot of times we like to claim the promises of Jesus. Okay, here's one for you. In this world, you will have tribulation. Amen. Hallelujah. Get your hands in the air, everybody. Like, that's a promise. And so Paul's going to talk to us right where we live. And what he's telling us about this life about where you live right now is that even when you have problems, trials, difficulties, challenges, even in those times, oh, you can rejoice too, just like you can when I was talking to you in verse 1 and 2, Paul says, just like you can rejoice because we've been made right with God and we, we, we are in this position of undeserved privilege in that same exact way you can rejoice. 
Your chest can puff up. You can be excited. You can almost brag about it. You can talk about it in problems and trials. That's what he's telling them. So here's what he's going to go on to say. Because, for, this is why. This is going to give us the why. Because I'm interested in the why. Because we know that these problems and trials, they develop endurance. They develop endurance. It's, it's a process. So know this first. It's going to start this process for you, a good process where you start to mature. And he says specifically that it's going to develop endurance. Now, just so you have an idea of biblical endurance, it's, this, it's a steadfastness. It's a constancy. But get this. It's someone who has not swerved from their purpose or faith even by the greatest trials, which means this. You continue to live as a follower of Jesus. When you develop endurance, you continue to live like a follower of Jesus. Bad things happen, tough things happen, hard things happen. You don't lose your marbles, fly off the handle, and behave like the world wants you to behave. I made a commitment to follow Jesus. Oh yeah, I'm going to keep going. I'm on that path. I'm not swerved from that path. I'm not deterred. Even as hard as this is, as challenging as this is, I'm going to continue to live as a follower of Jesus. Why? Because I've developed endurance. Where does that come from? It only comes from having trials. You have to have trials. But trials, if we respond appropriately, they develop endurance. And Paul's not done yet because he says endurance leads to strength of character. Now, just so you know, oftentimes this is, is translated as proven character. Strength of character is proven character. It can be seen, and it really means this. It's a specimen of tried worth. How are you tried? Only by trials. And it's someone who's been tried and shown to be true. They're shown to be true. Now, here's what I take from this. It's very important that I'm shown to be true because maybe finally you could see it in my life. And just FYI, let me, let me just throw this footnote in. This is not one of those messages that I give and I'm like, children, children, let me explain this to you. I 100% have this down, so please, please just listen to me. I'm telling you, I'm in the struggle with you. I'm telling you, these things are a battle for me as well, right? But it's our lives where we're shown to be true. And the way that I also take this is this. If you see it in my life, you've seen it in me, guess who else knows? And the answer is, I know. I know I've been through this before. I know that my character is proven. I, I, I know that I'm going to survive this. I know that because I've been through that. And so here's kind of where we're at just so far. That when trials come... They develop a person who's not swerved from their faith. That we continue to live the Christian life. We don't just say it with our mouths. Our lives back it up. Our lives prove. They validate that we are indeed followers of Christ. In fact, someone may very well look at you and say, Man, how do you do that? How are you holding up? Like, I, I, I can't believe what happened to you. I can't believe what you're going through. How do you get through that? And your response is, I don't know, I guess I'm just lucky. No, no. Your answer is, hey, I made up a decision a long time ago that I was going to follow Jesus. And as a follower of Jesus, brother, this is what I'm called to. I know who my God is. I understand the power of my God. And so I've decided I'm staying on this course. It'll give you great opportunity to give testimony. But he says it's a person who's not swerved from their own purpose or faith, 
And then they're proven to be true. And now they know it. That individual knows it. So Paul said this. He says, and endurance leads to strength of character. He's still not done. And then he says this. And character, this improved character, strengthens our, here it is, confident hope of salvation. And then he calls it this hope. And I really like that he calls it this hope, because when Paul says this hope, Paul is differentiating. He's talking about biblical hope here. Let me tell you something. Biblical hope is something very different, and for a couple reasons. Number one, biblical hope is a noun, and it's not a verb. Biblical hope isn't, I hope so. That's hope. That's hope. I hope something good happens. I'm kind of wanting it to happen. Biblical hope is a noun, as in it is a hope. It is a hope. I hold a hope. And biblical hope is different in that it doesn't just want it. Biblical hope expects it. That's biblical hope. And Paul called this our confident hope of salvation. And so now we know this because we've been through trials and we've developed endurance. And the endurance has, has created a strength and character. And that strength and character now leads to this biblical hope, to this confident hope of salvation. And so when we're going through life on this planet, right, we don't freak out. Number one, we know we've been forgiven. Paul's writing to believers. We know that we have salvation. We know that we've been forgiven. And we know that one day we'll be with the king in glory. We don't hope so. No, no. We have a confident biblical hope. And I'm going to tell you why I think this, makes a big, this is a big deal. I'm going to tell you why I think this is a, a big deal practical. Because I live here. Like, you know, like we live in the, in the nuts and bolts of daily life, right? You ever been here? You ever been at the airport? And it's just packed. It's just packed. Now, some of you, and I've talked to a few, because I, I know a few of you here, and you work for the airlines. And one of the greatest things about working for the airlines is you have flight bennies, right? You can get flight bennies because you work at the airport, or some of you get flight bennies because someone you know works for the airline, right? It's a family member. It's a close family member. You get flight privileges. For a, a number of years, I had flight privileges. I had flight bennies. And flight bennies are cool because, you, you, first of all, you got to know this when you have flight bennies. You're just flying standby. You always fly standby. And so at that time, this was the period of time where uh, Northwest Airlines was Northwest Airlines. They hadn't been bought by Delta. And when it was Northwest Airlines, they had a flight, some of you would remember this, every hour on the hour to Chicago. Every hour, on, and it was called walk up, walk on. And there were a couple times when I thought, you know what? I got an afternoon, I'm gonna go see a Cubs game. And about twice, I just went to the airport, got on a plane, caught the Cubs, came home, flew home. Doesn't matter what time you buy your ticket. If you buy your ticket for three o'clock, you can go there at noon. You're like, they're like, okay, you're in, right? That's if you buy a ticket. When you fly standby, everything is different. Now, standby is good in the middle of summer if it's maybe a Saturday and they got a flight every hour and they're headed to Chicago, you're probably gonna get on. But do the math on this. I know you're a step ahead of me. But when you're flying to Phoenix in the middle of February, everything is different. And there were times when I've been flying different places and I couldn't get home. And you have to just go get a hotel room. Or they send you through New Jersey and then down to Dallas and then you come, you know, you take whatever you can get. And so when you're flying with a standby and you're flying with a pass, you walk through the airport like this. 
and you wonder, and you don't stop, and you don't get food, and you don't get a coffee, you just get right to the gate, and you get your name in, because you got to get on a list, and you're flying standby. And that's how you behave. But when you get a ticket, and you bought a ticket, you walk through the airport like this. <laughs> how you like me now? And you just, you just got all kinds of confidence. I stop and I get food. I stop and take a nap. Why? Because my ticket's punched. Because I'm not hoping to get on. I'm expecting to get on. You understand what I'm saying? Okay, listen, now watch this. Because when you go through a trial, you begin to develop endurance. And when you have endurance and you're developing endurance, now you build strength of character. And once you get strength of character, now you have a confident hope of salvation. And it all starts over again because Paul says at the very beginning, you can rejoice too. And so now you walk with great joy, even in trials, Neil. Well, yeah, if we're doing this right, if we're following Christ, if we're living as followers of Jesus, yes, we have great joy. Our chest puffs up and we're, we're confident, we're strong because we know, because we have this confident hope of salvation. Well, how did you get that, Neil? Because I've been through trials and because I knew who the king was and because I knew who's sovereign and I know who's in control, I develop endurance and I stay the course and I'm not swerved. And as a result of that, now I develop strength of character and it's tried and it's proven and other folks can see it and my life gives testimony of it, but I know it too. And so now I have this confident hope of salvation where I'm not hoping so, I know so, I know so. And so if I'd been thinking ahead, which I rarely am, but I'd have made this for you guys, I'd have handed this out. This is where it starts, man. It starts with trials. Don't you think joy is a great thing? Wouldn't you like to experience joy? Don't you want to have that, mm, man, I just brag about it, I boast about it, not about me, but about, right? Guess where it starts? It all starts with trials. That's the hard thing for me. If I'm honest, I'm like, yeah, I want to get to the end. Oh, wait, it starts with trials? Yep. It starts with trials. That leads to endurance. That leads to character. That leads to hope. And as a result, now we have joy. See, it's this, it's this victorious cycle. See, our lives, we, we do this so often, so often, so often. I do this, right? But our lives should go like this. It's a victorious cycle. So let me give you the big so what, and then I'm going to tell you what you might do with this, right? The great joy of hope is born in the sorrow of trial. The great joy, the great confidence, the glory, where we stand up tall, right? That's born in the sorrow of trial. Now, I'm gonna give you a suggestion with just something that you might do with this. There's a great story in 1 Samuel 30, and in 1 Samuel 30, David is leading his men, and they're in battle. And David has called them, and we're gonna go do battle here. And they do, they go do battle. But when they're done, they go back home. And when they go back home, their place has been raided. And everything they have has been taken. And their children and their wives have been taken. And everybody's upset at David now for leading them there into battle. And it says David was greatly distressed. See, now he's got a trial on his hands. He's got a trial. Now, this is a big deal. This trial is a big deal. It says he's distressed. For the people talked of stoning him. You think that's a trial if everybody wants to stone you? Right? It says, because all the people were bitter in spirit, 
each over his sons and daughters. They lost their children. Now, spoiler alert, they're going to go back to battle and they're going to get everybody and everything back. But David's a man after God's own heart. David has the right heart. And so what does David do? Well, I think this is really interesting. And I, and I read this as kind of something interesting. It says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. So I'm a pastor and I give sermons. And here's how I read this. David just gave a sermon. Only who did he give the sermon to? See, I think we need to preach to ourselves. Now me, I love to preach to myself because I always give positive feedback. I'll be in the car and I'll say something and then all of a sudden I hear a voice. It seems like it's from the backseat. They're like, mmm, that's good, yes. Come on somebody, preach, brother. But I think we need to preach to ourselves. That's what I think we need to do. I think when you have a trial or something like that come up, a hardship, something that's frustrating you, causing you anxiety, I think we preach to ourselves and we preach Romans 5, 3 through 5. We say, listen, we can rejoice too when trials come our way because we know that that develops endurance and endurance will lead to strength of character and strength of character leads to a confident hope of salvation. Yes? If I'd have been thinking, and I didn't, if I'd have been thinking though, I'd have given you this. I'd have put this on a card and I'd have passed this out. So this is what I did. I just wrote it on a card myself. I just drew that diagram. And then in the upper corner, I just wrote Romans 5, 3 through 5. Mmm, Neil, that was good. Come on, somebody. Like, I'd say that. Especially when you're in the car, man. You can say any, You can sing in your car. You can say anything you want. But it starts with trials. And I think this is what's difficult for us. I'm saying church. We need to start looking at trials different. We need to stop this, and we need to start this. We need to have that perspective that the great joy of hope is born in the sorrow of trial. Now, I'm going to give you my selfish reason. My selfish reason is really this, and it's not just selfish for myself, but especially when you pastor a church, but you're part of the body of Christ. Now, we talked about this a few weeks back. As people exit the church, as they leave the church, Again, nobody's leaving the church because they don't like Jesus. Nobody's leaving the church because they just think the teachings of Jesus are helping people and helping the widows and helping the poor. We just can't stand that. Nobody's leaving the church because of that. We've said this. It's not the message. It's very oftentimes the messengers. And I'm saying very selfishly, man, especially, you, you all know this. If you're a regular at this church and if you're new to this church, you need to know this about us. We don't believe that we're just a group of folks that get together on a Sunday morning. Like, this is what we do specifically on Sundays so that we encourage each other and we strengthen each other and then we go out and become the church. That's what we believe. And I'm saying, what if this was one of the things that we took with us? And what if we started behaving this way in public where your coworker just saw something very difficult happen to you at work and they're waiting to see how you respond? And you respond as if your, your, your perspective is, this, this is going to be for God's good. Now, I want to say this to you and just acknowledge this. You know, what, you know what is just terrible is when you're going through a hardship or a trial. See, some of you are right in the midst of it. Right now, you're right in the midst of it. You know, you know what just stinks is when you're in the midst of it and somebody goes, smile. And I'm like, I'll knock you out. You know what I'm saying? Don't you just feel like that? Like, 
God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him who are called according to purpose. You're like, <laughs> right? It's true, but it's not what we want to hear right then in the moment of it, right? So if you're in the midst of it today, and some of you are, and I know that, and I understand that, hey, that, that's not what we're doing. We're not belittling your trial. We're not minimizing your trial. We're not telling you, you know? Like, we're not telling you that. But I'm saying, when you're there, when you're there, when I'm there, man, could my perspective be that this is going to be for God's glory. This is going to be for my own good. Because I'm going to get the chance here to develop some endurance. And not only am I going to develop some endurance, man, I'm going to build strength of character. And this is going to develop in me a confident hope in my salvation. And the net gain is joy. And I'm going to walk in joy. I'm going to walk in God's glory. I'm going to stand up. I'm almost going to brag about this situation. I'm going to boast in this situation. I think with all my heart, I think if we behave like that, the church is an unstoppable force. Because where else are folks seeing that? They need to quit hearing about Jesus, and they better start seeing some Jesus in Neil. And maybe they need to see some more in you too. And I'm saying if we behave that way. And now you're, you're, you're making relationships at work, you're making relationships in your neighborhood, you're making relationships at school, and now you say something about church to somebody and they're like, that's interesting. Because I like what you got. I'll be honest. I like what you got. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm willing to check that out. Right? And I think that's a word for us today. The great joy of hope is born in the sorrow of trial. Well, we look at trials differently. Will our perspective be different? James, many of you know this, consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith develops endurance. Let it have its work. That you might be perfect and mature, lacking in nothing. I know some of you are all in the heat of it right now. I know that. I'm aware of that. I'm aware of some of your stories. I know you're in the midst of it. You're in the throes of a trial. And I'm saying God has victory for you on the other side. I'm saying the body of Christ can gain from the body of Christ will have victory. In it. Let's stand this morning. We'll be dismissed in prayer. As you're standing up, if you're on our prayer team, I'm asking you to come right down to the front. If you're on our prayer team, they're going to come. And so again, here's the reality. Some of you are in the midst of it. You're right in the throes of the trial, man. You're in the throes of hardship. It's difficult for you right now. All right, here's what I'm saying. You shouldn't walk that way when we're done. You should walk this way. You should come up and meet with one of our prayer team. Let them pray for you. Let them pray with you. Let them strengthen you. Let them pray for victory in your trial. Let them pray about that. For sure, come up and see our prayer team, right? Get strengthened this morning. Be strengthened. And then again, if you're new, first time, second time, maybe even third time, but you've never been to our welcome room, we've moved it, so just keep this in mind if you're newer, but we've moved it. It's straight out these doors. There's a big orange sign over the door that says welcome. You can meet with somebody from our welcome team. You can meet some folks from the church. You can, you can uh, get some questions answered. You can get a cup of coffee. And we got a gift for you. It's just our way of saying thank you. We love having you with us this morning. Church, I'm always encouraged when I leave here this morning. And uh, it's the body of Christ. This is what we do. We encourage each other. And so hang out. Meet somebody. I always say this jokingly, and then somebody tells me they did it. I just walk up to folks and go, I, I have no idea who you are. I have no idea. And then just tell them your name and get to know somebody. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness. We declare, God, you are a good God. Your plans for us are good and pleasing and perfect. 
And we're grateful for that. We thank you for the words of the apostle this morning. We thank you, Father, that we can know now that the net result of our going through trials can be joy. And it can be joy. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a process, God. But I pray that over this body right now, I'm praying over this body, I'm praying that in them you'll develop endurance. I'm praying that they'll be steadfast, that they won't be swerved from their faith, not for one second, that they'll continue to live as followers of the Most High God, followers of Jesus all through their trial. And then I pray, God, that as a result of that, that their character will be proven, that it'll be seen by others, and that they'll know it in their mind. And as a result of that, God, that they'll build this confident hope of salvation. Not a want, not a want, God, an expectation. And that the net result of that expectation of someday in glory and knowing that we walk right now in forgiveness will give them great joy. Would you fill them with that? For those who are, who are experiencing it, for those especially this morning who are right in the midst of it, God, would you minister to them? Right now, right now where they're standing, Father, would you descend on them? Would your spirit just descend on them and allow them to sense the ministry of your Holy Spirit? Would they receive encouragement? Would they receive strength? Would they receive peace this morning knowing that the God of heaven sees them and hears them and knows their situation? God, would you fill them with that this morning? God, would you strengthen this local body? And now, Father, what we always ask, as we leave this building, God, would you help us to go be the church? Now, go be the church in action. Would you help us to do that to a lost and hurting world that desperately needs a Savior? We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody in the house said, Amen. Amen. Have a great Sunday, everybody. Get a cup of coffee.